Welcome to Better Angels, the podcast for women creating change. I'm Susan Ferry Price, and each week I have a conversation with an entrepreneur, activist, author, or other visionary woman who is helping make our world a little bit better. Thanks for joining us. Today's episode, we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is reinvention. It was really almost a decade ago that I started making changes in my own life. I left my job in journalism. I left my relationship. My mom had moved into an assisted living home in the suburbs, and I soon left New York to move closer to her. I thought, I'll get a house with a porch, and I'll reinvent myself. It did not go well. There were some really good things in my new life, but the challenges just kept coming. My mom was in and out of the hospital, making it hard for me to hold a full-time job, But the business I started never really took off, in part because I got a serious illness myself, and it took a while to recover. At one point, my house even flooded. After my mom died, I picked up and I moved to California. Moving across the country alone is a little tricky, and a pandemic certainly hasn't helped. But things are very different now, in part because of what I learned during what I call my Connecticut period. When I came across the work of today's guest, Linda Rossetti, I thought, this woman gets it. Linda was a serial tech entrepreneur when, after her own aha moment, she decided to make changes in her own life. But it wasn't quite working, and Linda's approach was to do some research. Linda is now a consultant, speaker, and author who guides individuals and organizations through times of upheaval. Here's our conversation. So I want to start with the distinction you make between change and transition, because I think that's sort of fundamental to understanding all of your work. Sure. So Susan, thank you for asking and for having me join you, because it's really exciting to talk about this stuff. And I view these two words as critical and grossly misunderstood in our society, right? Because we use change and transition interchangeably, when in fact, what I've learned in researching this notion of transition in women's lives for more than a decade, I might add, I found that they mean very different things, right? Changes often have to do with a known outcome, right? They're an alteration of something that we have in our world, right? You know, it's, I need a new car. I need a new apartment. I need a new job, right? We, we might not be working for the employer we want to work for, but we ultimately know, okay, I want to be a writer. I want to be a finance person. I want to be a lawyer, right? We have a known outcome and it's an alteration on our current state. Transitions are very different, right? Transitions occur when there's a shift in what holds value or meaning to us. And what's happening when we're transitioning is we're reconstituting how we think about something, right? So it might be somebody like, look, you know, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. And, you know, I said, I want to make partner by the time I'm 40. A transition would be when that lawyer starts to say, hmm, I'm not so certain being a partner matters, Like, wait a minute, I'm not even so certain being a lawyer is right, right? So all of a sudden, transitions occur when there's a shift in what holds value and meaning to us. And they're different from change because change is usually an alteration as a known outcome. Transitions are less well-known in terms of its outcome. And mostly they have to do with this notion of investigating more about our own voices, like who we are and the way we can express ourselves in a way that isn't imprinted by what other people think and more driven by the things that really make sense to us. 
That makes perfect sense to me. And I've had this massive life transition and I didn't know that distinction when it first was coming upon me. And what I did is I made a bunch of changes and those changes turned out not to be ultimately the right one. So I had to go through this process of changing before I understood it was sort of a deeper level of activity that was going on. Bring us back to when you started your transition and what inspired it, what prompted it. Yeah. And Susan, you and I were in the same boat, right? When I started all of this, it was out of a point of absolute frustration, right? Because I had gotten to this point where things weren't making sense. And I turned to change as the elixir. I'm like, oh, I'll just, oh, it must be the job. Let me change the job. And I changed the job and nothing improved, right? And so I found myself in this pattern of upset. And and the first kind of event that I can point to is I remember I was the EVP of HR and administration for a global Fortune 500 company. That meant that I had to travel all around the world. We had business in 37 countries. One time I was in London and I get this call on my telephone and it's my husband's number. So I grab it and he's like, oh, she's fine. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And at the time she was my kindergarten daughter. And lo and behold, she had been left at school at pickup time and everything was fine, right? He called me after she was back home, like after the greatest adventure of her life, right? She went to the principal's office with her favorite teacher. It was all good. But the event left me in tatters. Like it was as if something catastrophic happened. Like I could not reset. Like something about that really bothered me. And there were a series of those that happened. And I kept turning to people saying, you know, something's the matter. Something's a matter. And those who were closest to me professionally and personally were just like, oh, put your shoes on. You're fine. You know, it's going to pass, you know, buck up. You're fine. And I was saying to myself, no, 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 there's something. I can't really find my way forward. And that was an indicator to me that I needed to learn something more. And I turned everywhere I could think of to find the answer, you know, Ted talks, great books, counselors, work groups, whatever it is, professional associations. And none of them spoke to what was going on for me because all the ways I had known myself were all of a sudden kind of discombobulated. They weren't fitting together. And a million times in the past, I had hit the reset button and I was fine. Like I could bounce back Susan and I kept hitting the reset button and I was continually just getting more and more depleted. And I just found myself in this moment where I had no other choice. Like I didn't know what to do. And so I initiated some research, right? I quit my job. I was fortunate enough that I had saved some money. I I could financially manage a short amount of time out of the workforce. And I turned to some people that I knew. And I said, I want to talk to women and men who are in transitions, like of all sorts. I don't care what it is. Mine was job related, right? I figured that the job was the root of all evil and I needed a different kind of job, but I didn't know what I needed. And because of the work that I did, I knew lots of people. And one gentleman was the head of an outplacement firm in the U.S., a very large one. And he said, Linda, let us be your learning lab. And he basically opened up his organization to me. And it was a gift of a lifetime, right? Because what that allowed me to do was to work with or meet with big groups of people who were going through transition. I could just say, okay, what's going on? And I sat there and I listened and I listened and I listened. And all of a sudden I started to hear patterns that no one was talking about. I was like, wait a minute, there's something here. It really needs some investigation because this notion of the opportunity to reinvent ourselves, right? This great topic that you have, 
is a perennial issue that we need again and again in our lives. And what I've learned is that we really need to understand the context that occurs when that reinvention is happening. And if we do, all of a sudden, what looks like a loss is an expansion, right? It's an incredibly positive outcome. And all we need is some different vocabulary and some education, and it switches the entire experience. And I didn't have that at the beginning. You know, my suspicion is you didn't either. And I felt alone. I felt really isolated. I felt like a failure. And I'm a person who has had a lifetime of successes in the corporate world. And I was completely flat-footed, convinced that it was over and I had nowhere to turn. So long-winded answer to your question, but, you know, I think that each of us are invited to these moments and society tells us, oh, no, 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 run the other way, get involved. And I'm saying, wait a minute, there's something here that's important that can be expansive and very positive if we look at it differently. Obviously, everyone's circumstances are different, but if we think of transition as a timeline, what are the posts along the way? Well, you know, there's two early ones that I think your listeners might be really interested in, right? The first pillar that we hit when transitions might be underway is this need to disengage from meaning that's imposed on us from others, right? Like our friend who wants to be a partner by the time she's 40. Well, really, where did that come from? Was that because she got into a swanky law school and all of a sudden everyone at the table says, oh, I'm going to be a partner by the time I'm 40? Or is that something she came up with, right? So what I've learned in the research is that very often when we become adults, we look to our surrounding environment to help us to find meaning for ourselves, right? And what happens in all that is we we tend to adopt meaning from all these places and kind of compose a meaning that may be discharged from who we are. And so the first step, right, the first step that anyone who's going to kind of dip their toe in the water of transition needs to go to is become aware of the expectations or the meaning that we hold that may be sourced from elsewhere, from others around us, from industries we participate in, from companies we're a part of, from relationships, from partners. And it isn't to throw it out. It's simply to bring our awareness. So the first step in transitioning is very often become aware of where your expectations are from and that the ones that you hold for you. And the second is it's also to be, be aware of the role of emotions, And this one is interesting because very often when, particularly if it's a work-related thing, you know, our first reaction, if something isn't going well, like, you know, I must have failed. I've done something wrong. There's something the matter with me, right? We, we as women often turn inward on this and, oh, I'm the issue. And I've learned through research that there's actually two levels that occur when somebody transitions, right? One is this notion of, okay, well, if I'm not going to be X anymore, I need to kind of fill in the blank slate. What am I going to do? But there's a parallel level, which is all about the role that emotions play. And emotions mobilize to keep us in place at the beginning of transition. And that is another kind of awareness technique. We need to think about it, right? Because the cool thing here is that emotions are smart. They read instability as fear, right? And the emotions 
go ahead and mobilize. You know, they'll throw guilt or they'll throw fear or sadness or loneliness. And what those do is they just they further hold us in place. And ultimately, this notion of what's happening in the beginning of transition is, one, we need to be aware of the expectations or the values that are imposed on us from outside of who we are. And the second is we need to see those emotions, right? We need to learn how to greet them differently, right? Because it isn't all of a sudden that presto changeo. once we teach you about transition, all of a sudden guilt or shame or sadness is all of a sudden not going to be there at all. But what we learn to do is greet it very differently, right? We greet the guilt differently. We say, okay, I see you, but today you're only walking next to me. You're not walking in front of me. We're going to continue. So there are many, many stages to transition, but those are the two earliest and those can keep us in place for decades, right? Those are the two things I was going to bring up, at least in my experience, the places where you kind of hit the wall. And so when you first realize you want to make changes and you're trying to figure it out, separating the choices you've made or the person you've become, for me, it was sort of like what I valued before I took on all of this stuff, which is just life. And it's, again, it wasn't bad stuff. It was just, you wind up with a structure around you. When that structure is threatened at all, then it's frightening. So the recognition of how to navigate those emotions is one of the most important things about what you've done and what you're teaching. Talk a little bit about the practical component, because when I realized what I needed to do or what I wanted to do, all the practical limitations came up. And I think for most women, like if you don't have a huge amount of money in the bank, you need health insurance. You can't just leave your spouse, you have children. In my case, I had a mother, although I was a caregiver too. Getting through this without turning the limitations or that's only for some people, that's only for rich people. Of course. And, and I can't thank you enough for making sure we talk about this because a lot of people disengage or gate their ability to participate in this because of an inordinate number of hurdles or barriers that we can name, some of them we can't name. And there's two answers to the question of how do you do it? The first is a mindset shift, right? Because very often when we're going through transition, right, by the way, we've been socialized to do this. We think it's binary. It's if I'm not this, then I'm that, right? It's either on or off. I've succeeded. I've failed, right? And so the mindset we bring to this moment is, okay, I'm going to have an answer and I'm, I'm going to be going to the answer. And unfortunately, what's required here is a series of experiments that over time are going to help us shift our focus. And so an experiment may be, right, those are right size for who we are, right? An experiment may be, you know, okay, I'm going to give myself an hour on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock to listen to TED Talks. And that's all I'm going to do, right? But I'm going to be working towards it. And that's going to help me reframe what I'm going to do. Or for somebody else, it's I'm going to fly to New Zealand and I'm going to work on an agro tech business, you know, farm for a year and see if I come up with my dazzling idea, right? It's different for everyone. But the notion that we need kind of experimentation, in order to guide us through this is essential, right? That how we begin is an N of one, right? It's going to be different for everyone. That we begin is the common denominator, right? You need to begin and you need to start trying. And understanding that the current state is no longer attractive or supportive or enough, frankly, is a first place of awareness. But 
oftentimes the thing that keeps us there longer than we need to is not a disagreement over what I've just described. It's fear that I don't know what's ahead. And so this notion of experiments is meant to reduce the risk level of making that move. It's like, okay, I want you to do the next smallest step you can think of. Not the biggest, the very smallest but then you have to do another one, right? So, okay, if it's a TED Talk this week, the next week, maybe you have a conversation with somebody on the telephone or the week after that, you participate in something. Right? The next smallest step, and if you can begin into this series of behaviors, right? Next smallest steps always, all of a sudden you create this data set that says, you know what? Boy, I was thinking that, you know, in my case, right? I came from the tech industry, right? I was a, an executive in a tech company, right? Now I'm a researcher and consultant to people who are reinventing themselves, right? That is a very different shift, right? And it didn't happen in a day, right? It happened over a period of probably eight years where I did a series of experiments. And each one helped me reframe that next step that much more. What you're really essentially saying is you can do this process consciously or unconsciously because I did it unconsciously. I didn't have your book or your research. And what wound up happening is that you're doing those experiments by default because you keep trying new things and they tend not to work out because you really don't know what you're trying to do. But I see in my life, and certainly some women I've seen that have gone through these longer transitions, it's like you're, you keep getting thrown up against the same problem in some other form, whether it's the new relationship, whether you move, whether you change the job. If you're not consciously understanding what's driving that and what needs to come in and what needs to be let go of, you're going to wind up going through a more negative transition experience than you would have if you were consciously doing well, so some people say, you know, Linda, what do you do? And I think at one level, I educate, right? Because if you had that context when you were going through that, you would bring a different energy to those moments, the loss of the city, the loss of the relationship, the support of your mom, right? And so ultimately, that is a really very critical element is to make sure people have the context so they can place their experience in a broader set of processes so that if you happen to fail, right? Oh, oop, yeah, I, I tried New Mexico. It didn't really work. All of a sudden, we're not on this downward spiral of, oh, I'm just a loser. I just keep making terrible choices. It's, hang on. That's a step in a broader set of changes. And I use the word change there very specifically because I want to make sure people understand that as we transition, we can go through a series of changes, right? They're not mutually exclusive, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going on this track or that, right? There are those who will change and never transition, right? And for those people, that's a real risk because transition allows us to tap into our untapped potential. And unless we're willing to really bring a new energy to those things that hold meaning for us, we never get there. So there are some people who are locked into change, 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 never touch transition. But those who do transition understand that they go through a series of changes. And, and the research, like if you go beyond my research and look at like that academic kind of world, they look at this as this pattern that marches us to this notion of self-authoring. And at this point of self-authoring, we are kind of becoming our own seat of judgment. We can feather in the things that were important from our youth or our jobs that we learned and what have you. But ultimately, we've come up with this kind of amalgam of things 
that really makes sense for who we are. And ultimately, my newest favorite definition for transition is it's an invitation for a deeper connection to ourselves. And that's something we need to consciously take. One of the things that's important in your work too, and this to me, I think is not only knowing that this is a thing, the recognition, the labeling of it is important in itself, but also building a support system. How do you do that when you don't really know where you're headed? It is the number one accelerator to this work is connection to others, right? Like, how do you do that? Like, practically, right? And and it takes a little bit of courage, right? You know, I run a free service every week online for people who are going through this who want to connect. It's called Dishing on Disruption. Anyone can come. And for the very reason that you're talking about, is it's incredibly lonely because we can be disengaging from people who we relied on for many years to help us be stable, right? And we're moving into this period of instability and we're saying, no, you don't work for me anymore, right? So putting those people together and they don't have to be your best friends, right? They have to be people who are willing to ask you questions. And the good news is, is many of them are unfamiliar to you, right? Like I always say that like best friends, spouses, you know, siblings, can't play because they bring too much of who you are to them to the conversation, right? So you want to get to places where you can find people who are relatively new to you. And that can happen through professional associations, alumni associations. I mean, I run a group at our local library, right? There's lots of resources where you can connect with people who are in periods of change and they're online groups. But ultimately, you want to try to get to a moment where there's kind of a kitchen cabinet group of people and they don't all have to be in the same place. You don't even have to physically be there now that we all know Zoom. But ultimately, you want to find ways to interact with people who can ask you questions because it is in responding to their questions that we make new connections for ourselves. That's an absolutely unrecognized and brilliant way to hear who you really are. Because people who know you well do not ask you questions. And for me, it became apparent that that was true by default. I'm so used to asking people questions as a journalist, but I moved. My transitions have, first I moved to Connecticut where I didn't know anybody. Then I moved now to California. And people then are asking you questions. So you're you're able to, it's not even that you're defining yourself consciously, but maybe things are coming out of your mouth that you didn't even realize. People are like, what do you do? And I say things that I maybe wouldn't have said or no one asked me because they know me 30 years or they knew what I did or they knew my context. When you're out of context, it's very helpful. So that's really interesting that you found that because that's that makes total sense to me. And number one accelerator. And, and I think that a lot of people say, oh, I'm an introvert. Like that's not going to work for me. I'm not suggesting that you have to have, go get a bestie. You don't. What you have to do is put yourself in opportunities where people can ask you a question and you'll be asked to respond. And it can happen once a month. It can happen for five minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, oh, the answer is going to be because they're going to quiz me. It isn't. It's about how you start to put your narrative together in a way that begins to make sense to you. And those interactions are invaluable as you begin this progression, you know, to a deeper connection to who you are, which is really what transition is all about. And it's so important to recognize here in everything you're saying, the difference between the internal process and the external, because 
one of the lonely aspects of it is you think your circumstances are the cause of various things and everyone has different circumstances. So you feel like that person can't understand what I'm going through because they don't have this child with special needs or they don't have this financial problem or they don't have whatever that, whatever, everyone's got something that can hold them back from moving ahead. If you look at it as an external process, but the recognition that something's going on inside of you, And that can play out in a whole lot of different ways. Once you recognize these values, for me, it was sort of a value shift or how I wanted to live my life. That played out in different ways than I expected maybe and continues to play out in different ways. But that separates you from those externalities a little bit. Absolutely. Because what that all of a sudden does is say that kitchen cabinet can be virtually anyone who's at a period of change in their life. Because when I went through it, I was like, oh, well, is this just work people? But when I did those focus groups, I put somebody who had just lost a spouse to somebody who had learned to live with a child that had you know, severe health issues, to somebody who had geographically moved, to somebody who had changed careers, to somebody who had always dreamed of being X and figured out that X had no value, right? to them. So all of a sudden I said, okay, let's test this. Do the circumstances matter, right? Do I have to put all divorced people in a room and only talk to divorced people? And the answer is no, categorically for exactly what you're saying, right? Because yes, the external circumstances will differ, but what's happening in the process of transitioning is this this reconstitution of our voices and everyone who's going through that is following a similar process. And so it makes it easy. So if you do go to the library and you say, Oh, I met this great person. They're going through X, Y, and Z. There's nothing to do, but we're great friends. The reality is, is there's no surprise in that because the process of transitioning is the same, regardless of what your initiating circumstances are, right? Yours was a geographic move. Mine was a work related kind of crisis. That doesn't mean our processes, the things that we're going through aren't exactly the same. And that has been validated not only in my research, but all the academic research that I've studied. And I hope that I've read it all. (laughs) And it is something that's very freeing for people once they understand it. Because oftentimes when we get to this moment, right, we feel incredibly isolated. Sometimes there can be failure or shame as we sit here and we say, well, I don't know anyone who's going through and we name the 16 things that are part of our experience. And that may be very well true, but the good news is, is that this kitchen cabinet, the number one accelerator for this process has nothing to do with those 16 things. What it has to do is our ability to connect with others, let them ask us a question and let our own energy just try to come up with a response because our narrative, our voice, refueling our voice is a very big part of the process that we'll never get to if we stay isolated, waiting to find the match for those 16 circumstances. That is hugely important right now because we are in a pandemic. How do you negotiate a process like this when your own life is in transition and the world around you, like the, none of the parts are stable. Look, I, I think ultimately it goes back to trying to figure out what problem are you solving, right? And I think it sounds like a silly question, but we need to ask ourselves a question. What is it that is happening in our experience, right? Is it a change or is it a transition, right? And there is an initiating circumstance that virtually everyone on the planet is experiencing, right? It's a pandemic and it's persistent, right? There's some that would say this is a persistent trauma, right? Now, some people in the face of persistent trauma will say, I need a change, 
And they'll say, okay, I'm going to alter a job, a house, a spouse, you name it, right? There are others who are going to say, yeah, you know what? All of a sudden, yeah, my values are shifting, right? And maybe that's the great resignation. You know, April 21, 4 million people voluntarily left the workforce. Highest number since it was started 20 years ago, right? And so ultimately, I've found that some of the biggest power starts with asking ourselves a question about scope. Like, what are we trying to address? And it's not an easy question, right? The quick one is easy. Oh, well, I have to fill in the blank, right? I have to make the bills. And ultimately, though, if we keep asking ourselves that question, I think we get to the answer that what path we need to be on, because we can be on a path where we can make changes and we can be on a path that we need to make transitions. And those are not the same as our conversation has illustrated. And I think that as somebody who's transitioned many times, who now tries to educate the world about what transition is, I shudder when I hear, oh, well, everyone's transitioning. That statement, based on what I've learned, would be false. We all have an opportunity to choose here. And asking ourselves a question, what fits now, is a really important question. Because if if we go back to where we started, which is transitions occur when there's a shift in what holds value and meaning to us. And it can happen in lots of different ways. And sometimes it's not really even entirely conscious. The way it expresses itself is we can't, we can't reconcile things, right? There's conflicts that we can't somehow kind of use our standard kind of adaptive behaviors to settle down, right? They remain unsettled, right? That's a signal that says, hmm, there's something going on here. And those are invitations, but not everyone is going to respond to this time by accepting that invitation. And I think that the first best steps are to try to ask ourselves, hmm, is this my time to explore it? There is a huge amount of power in accepting that invitation. Talk a little bit about the power of finding your voice in this. I'm so happy you asked me this question. This notion of power is so important. And it's not like beat the chest power. It's this power that emanates from an alignment of who you are and the kinds of things that make sense for you. And I'll never forget, there was this really elegant woman who participated in my research early on. And she was somebody who had a 26-year career with a very large organization. And because of the dramas that exist in organizations, she lost her job in her early 50s. And she was devastated. She's like, I've always, this has been my identity. This is who I am. And through a period of probably close to five years, but actively for the first two or three, she made a lot of changes, but knew that she was transitioning. And she ultimately said, I never knew that I didn't know myself. And she said, what has come out of this is astonishing. And I have to say, it is universal of all the people that participated in my research. They talk about joy and energy and peace and freedom. And I go back to that woman's statement. She said, I didn't know I didn't know myself. And she said, you know what? And this was at 56. She said, I feel like I'm breathing for the very first time. And I think that ultimately... This is the invitation that's on the table for all of us. And whether it takes a pandemic as the initiating circumstance or something entirely different, it doesn't matter. The question is, is do we have the courage to open ourselves up to really consider what might be signaling us? Because those initiating circumstances are things that offer us this kind of this opportunity to approach it differently. And from my research and my work, I would say it is universally positive 
that if somebody chooses to explore what transition might mean, the inflection point in their life is extraordinary. I agree completely. Despite the ups and downs, the journey really is worth it. Find out more about Linda's work at lindarosetti.com. Pick up her book, Women in Transition. And be sure to share this episode with a woman you know who's embarking on a new path. It will save her a lot of headaches. As part of my own reinvention, I'm taking some time now through the holidays to do some writing. Thank you for joining me for the first season of Better Angels. I'll be back in the new year with another group of inspiring women. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter or Instagram or reach out on Susan at SusanFerryPrice.com. As part of my own reinvention, I'm taking some time now through the holidays to do some writing. Thank you for joining me for the first season of Better Angels. I'll be back in the new year with another group of inspiring women. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter or Instagram or reach out on Susan at SusanFerryPrice.com. I agree completely. Despite the ups and downs, the journey really is worth it. Find out more about Linda's work at lindarosetti.com. Pick up her book, Women in Transition. And be sure to share this episode with a woman you know who's embarking on a new path. It will save her a lot of headaches. As part of my own reinvention, I'm taking some time now through the holidays to do some writing. Thank you for joining me for the first season of Better Angels. I'll be back in the new year with another group of inspiring women. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter or Instagram or reach out on Susan at SusanFerryPrice.com. <music>